from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Good morning. My name is Katharina Ernest, and I'm currently serving as an elder on the session here at First Press. Please join me in the call to worship. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. As the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, and to God has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough contempt. As the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, and to God has mercy upon us. Let's worship our merciful God. Please turn with me in your pew Bible to Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, which can be found on page 16 in the New Testament. Listen for and hear the word of God. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the child, children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of each of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O Lord. You are truly our strength and our redeemer. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Friends, during this Lenten season, we are continuing our series of Wrestling with God with a focus today on faith beyond emotion. As Christians and citizens in this country, we are not only on a Lenten journey that will lead us to Calvary's cross, the empty tomb, and on to the joyous celebration of our Lord and Savior on Easter. We are also all involved in the midst of a political journey that will lead us across the nation through the tumultuous primaries that will end in November with the election of a new president who will serve as the perceived most powerful person on planet Earth. However, before we get to November, we will no doubt hear many emotional speeches by candidates and their supporters. 
Yet because we are not only citizens of this country, but citizens of the kingdom of God, we have a responsibility to allow our faith to be the driving force in our lives that helps us to make decisions that go beyond emotional appeal. Our text today provides us with just such an example. According to Matthew, Jesus and his disciples leave the Jewish community and carry his mission into Gentile territory. It is there that they encounter a Canaanite woman. Both Matthew and Mark tell us the story, except Mark calls the woman a Syrophoenician. And in his version, Jesus enters her house. However, staying true to Matthew's writing style, Jesus does not enter a Gentile home. Matthew tells us that upon their arrival in the community, a woman comes from the area and begins shouting at them, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. Now, if we were to stop right there, we have an emotional appeal by a mother for the healing of her daughter. This type of appeal could certainly be one that would invoke compassion and a desire to search for ways to help bring about deliverance and healing for this woman's daughter. Just recently, I received a phone call from a woman, and for the sake of privacy, I will call her Mary. Mary is a very intelligent woman who is my age, whose mobility challenges keep her tied to a walker. She has also been homeless for at least three years that I'm aware of, and in addition to her physical challenges, she has mental health challenges, like hundreds of others experiencing homelessness that have caused her to be estranged from her family. Mary and I have developed a very good relationship through the years, and we have certainly attempted to ask to assist her in various ways. So when she called and asked for some personal items that she knows we often have in community ministries, thanks to the generosity of many of you, I told her I would look to see what we had, and I would see what I could do. So after I talked with her, she gave me the address, and I shared that and, and put the address into my telephone GPS system. And after work that day, I got into my car, and as I called my husband, and this is a time of personal confession. Yes, I do use my cell phone while I'm driving, like I'm sure many of you do, but I also make sure that I have an earbud so that I can keep both of my hands on the steering wheel as well. I called Gentle to tell him that I was on my way to run this particular errand, and he and I were continuing our conversation, and, and before I knew it, I was in the midst of a busy intersection and the GPS said, make a right turn, 300 feet, you will be at your destination. Now I was really shocked because it was only 10 minutes away from here. And, and as I pulled up, I, my shock grew greater and I immediately hung up the phone because as I pulled up in front of the building, I realized that it was not just Mary there, but there were at least 20 other women. 
And I looked and began to observe the, the, the building itself. And as I pulled up, another lady who was in her car began to ask me uh, questions as to where I was going. And I told her who I was and why I was there. And I just continued to walk toward Mary and this group of women. And I noticed that the space was actually a covered porch area. And that these women, there were at least 20 plus women who were there and who had makeshift beds and they were there for the evening. They, their beds included chairs, boxes, and other containers, and most of them were covered with some sorts of blankets and other coverings to shield them from the cold and the wind. It was a small community, and as I said, just 10 minutes away from here. And I thought to myself, my goodness, this is a community hidden in plain sight. Well, Mary profusely thanked me for the items, and I spoke to the other ladies that were there. And needless to say, after leaving Mary and the others, I, be I felt helpless and disappointed that these women, God's children, were staying another night outside because there are not enough safe, affordable housing units in metropolitan Atlanta for people like her, whose income is $800 or less per month, per month. All I could do was the same thing the Canaanite woman was doing, pray. In Matthew's text, the woman cries out the familiar words that we find in Christian confession liturgy that has been adapted from the psalmist. Many Hebrew prayers begin with the words, have mercy on me, O Lord. But this woman does add the reason for her prayer. My daughter is tormented by demons. Clearly, these words of prayer have escaped the Jewish community and found their way not only into this Canaanite woman's mouth, but down into the depths of her soul and being. She uses these very words to solicit the attention of Jesus. However, to most readers' surprise, Jesus does not respond to her. He remains silent. Have you ever prayed a prayer and felt like God was not answering? We know that sometimes the answer is wait. Sometimes the answer is not yet. But according to Matthew, Jesus appears to completely ignore the petition of the woman. It is only after his disciples ask him to send her away that he even addresses her at all. Then he says to her, he is only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It sounds like Jesus is saying his mission of salvation is really only for one group, the Jews. Yet the prophet Isaiah centuries prior declares these words, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation will reach to the ends of the earth. No doubt this Canaanite woman remembers these words as she continues to act on her faith by taking the familiar kneeling posture of worship 
and she continues her prayer while still acknowledging Jesus as Lord. The wrestling match does continue, yet she remains focused on what she needs. For her, it is a matter of life and death, so she has nothing to lose and everything to gain. Like Jacob, she cannot let go until she receives the blessing of her daughter being made whole. This time, when Jesus responds to her, he responds in a manner that most Christians have a hard time accepting as his words. Matthew records him saying, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Can you imagine how much those words must have hurt? Still, she does not become emotional or insulted at the reference. True enough, it was common practice for, in their context for the Jews to refer to Gentiles as dogs, even if they were referring to them as little pets. However, it is still hard to hear these words being attributed to our Lord. Some suggest Jesus is merely expressing them as a cultural norm and showing how offensive they can be. Nonetheless, the Canaanite woman knows her daughter needs more. Her needs are more important for her to allow these words to cause her to lose faith. Therefore, she responds boldly by saying, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Perhaps her bold statement reminds Jesus and all of the others who hear it that his mission is not limited to the house of, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but his mission is to bring salvation to all who believe in him. Her bold statement reminds us that even as people within the household of faith, we are different. We have different communities that we come from with different political views. We have different economic status. Yes, even different skin colors. Yet, we each have the need to be loved and cared for and treated justly. The Canaanite woman models for us how important it is to allow our faith to motivate our actions in spite of social norms and traditional expectations. Because of her faith, she reached out to Jesus as Lord and did not allow her current circumstances to keep her from advocating on behalf of her daughter's healing. No doubt she heard about Jesus being the one who had fed the thousands, those who were hungry and healing those who were sick. Therefore, she did not allow the fact that she was a double outsider, both a woman and a Canaanite, to keep her from communicating her needs with the Lord. Oftentimes, it does take such persons to lead the way by helping others to see from a different perspective. This is what happened with the civil rights movement as Dr. King responded to his Christian brothers with his letter from the Birmingham jail. Remember he wrote these words, I am in Birmingham because injustice is here. Just as the prophets of the eighth century BC left their villages and carried their thus saith the Lord far beyond the boundaries of their hometowns, 
And just as the Apostle Paul left his village of Tarsus and carried the gospel of Jesus to the far corners of the Greco-Roman world, so am I compelled to carry the gospel of freedom far beyond my own hometown. Like Paul, I must constantly respond to the Macedonian call for aid. Moreover, I am cognizant of the interrelatedness of all communities and states. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Nevertheless, again, we cannot afford to live with a narrow provincial outside agitator idea. Anyone who lives inside the United States can never be considered an outsider anywhere within its bounds. Yes, it is in that same fashion that Dr. King speaks that anyone who professes to be a person of faith should not remain silent when we see our brothers and sisters in need of adequate housing, in need of adequate health care, in need of adequate education, or in need of adequate legal representation. Our relationship with our Lord can help us to become strong advocates on behalf of others. We can allow the example of this woman to remind us that with our Lord, even the crumbs that fall from the master's table will be more than enough to bring the healing needed in the community. Therefore, as we make our way on to Calvary's cross, to the empty tomb on the glorious celebration of Easter, and as we make our way to November with the election of our new president, let our actions be motivated by our faith that goes beyond emotional appeal so that people in every community may experience the salvation of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Friends, having heard God's word read and proclaimed, let us stand and say together what we believe using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. And let us continue together in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we pray for your spirit to come among us, 
to move us and to bring change. We read the news and we are bombarded with images of violence. Bring your peace to those who have lost loved ones, to those whose lives and livelihoods are war, and to those who cannot find safety. We hear lots and lots of words from people who seek to lead this country, and we wonder what our shared future will be. Bring wisdom and discernment, humility and compassion to all who have power. We see our sisters and brothers walking in this city without secure housing or food or health care. Lord, bring us all courage to make big changes on behalf of those who have no voice of their own. We know that children grow up in this world without, without community, without opportunity, without love. Let us know those children, Lord. Teach us to love them as our children. We struggle with our own discernment about what to do in our work, about how to balance competing demands on time and energy, about how to be when we find ourselves in hard relationships, about what it means to live faithfully. Settle us into you, Lord. Help us to believe in your grace, to take the joy of faith in you into our hearts. Hear these prayers and the silent ones we bring you now, Lord. Hear us as we join to say the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.